This is Brain Fuzz, the art, music, and culture podcast with Joe Camusa and Matthew White. In episode 12, Joe and Matthew join artist Michi Miku in his studio preparing for two shows. They discuss Sun Ra, Afrofuturism, Altered Destiny, Thornton Dial, Robert Rauschenberg, and more. But first, permanence, impermanence, and the ultimate game of chess. It's like, it's almost like, sometimes I think we're like, like graffiti, you know? So I come out of all that stuff. Right. You do the piece, and then it's just like, you take a photo of it, and that's all you got left of it, and then because some kid's going to come write penis over it, or, <laughs> you know, or scribble, scrabble something over your beautiful piece. So, like, I'm just approached art, and I think, in, in ways like that, too. It's just like, just do it for the photo. That's interesting, though, because it, it seems like a lot of work these days. You don't even need to see it. Like, the, it's made almost for a sound bite. It's, it's weird. And I feel like I'm on another planet sometimes. I mean, like, you're talking about being in the studio all day, making stuff that's really to be experienced in person. Well, that, that's why I never show the whole, the full piece. You, yeah, great. I think that's very smart. Uh, it's a good way to do it. Because if you see it... Then it's like, well, I don't need to go to that. And it was like one of my friends, like every year for the last whatever, how many over years, she's like, you've always curated a great Miami Basel show. I feel like I don't have to go. I'm like, but it's very, like, I'm doing specific things or I'm making a joke of a lot of things. I remember you saying that. It was that year, everything was so hot about the street art. You know, that was one yeah. of the first years where that was like, well, not, well, I don't know. The Winwood thing was getting out of control at that point. Yeah. And everything was about the street art, you know. And you were saying, look, I was doing that. I was down here doing this. It wasn't cool. It wasn't cool what I was doing. And now you have the, what, the relegated space? All right, we're going to do a street art it's here. Like, I mean, walls or Winwood walls. It's like, that part was there, but it was just like... Show up and paint. Here's a guy who owns a body shop. Now it's the body shop is the spa. <laughs> someone's like, you know what I mean? It's not like these, these dudes down in Miami, probably in some kind of mafia, like, yeah, go ahead, paint it. Put my business on it or whatever. You know, it's, it's not like that anymore. It's like politics now. It's, you don't like it? Do you, I mean... No, I'm done no. with that part. <laughs> like, like for like trying to get fame, like off graffiti and all that stuff. Like that. I never took photos of my stuff while I was doing it. I never. I always had this theory, like, if it's good enough, someone will find it and take a photo. And there used to be this girl. Um, she had this uh, flicker, and she had like all the graffiti pieces. Like in every nook and cranny, she knew where to go. I think some dudes would call her and be like, "Yo, I did a piece over at this yard. Boom, you should come." And so, your photos would show up. And like, once I realized that, I was like, "I don't have to run around with a camera and take photos." Who do? Yeah. And now, like, all the kids are like, "At so and so." Like the whole point of doing it was to be 
anonymous. Right. That's true. Yeah. Now the kids are like, you can get famous. You do two two things. You just add whatever your name is, and you know, boom, you're famous. And someone can call you or follow you. Or, but the whole point was not to it was to command public space, make your name famous, or your moniker, or whatever it is. Colossus of Rhodes. There's it's all these famous monikers. We don't know these people. But it all seems to be like about obviously likes and fame these days. Um, you know, people ask, you know, like, how many followers do you have? Or, and it's like, and I'm still going back to is the art any good? You know, I mean, it's nice to get that validation, but it doesn't translate necessarily into sales or shows or success. But I'm I'm amazed at some of the folks on Instagram. Like, I'll see the art sometimes, and then I'll see them have like. 5,000 followers, like, what the hell? How is this possible? And then you gotta realize, like, but it's kind of make-believe, you know? And I hate to sound so judgmental, but I mean, no, we all look at the stuff no. sometimes and you're like, what the hell is this? No, I've done the same thing. I'm an old guy, and I'm just like, nah, they take advantage of it, do it. Yeah. yeah. I'm not mad at you. I'll still outwork you, but <laughs> like, that's my that's only true. thing. That's it's true, like, that's totally true. That's my only thing, is just, I don't know, we all have different paths to it. Or whatever it is. What is it? Somebody said that to me the other day that so and so wants it. It, whatever it is. I guess it's uh, it? ideas of success. And they're know. different for everybody. What's yeah. success to you? Now. Right now? Yeah, I'm not sure it changes. Does it change? I'm, I'm, all I've ever wanted is to make, make work. So I'm happy to make, have an excuse to make work. It's like the graffiti thing. I'm, I'm, I'm going out and make some bad pieces just to get a photo. It's pretty much how I see it. And like whatever happens from those images, then like, okay, that image got me to the next one. Like today in my, in my email, I got a, another email from a college and they were like, hey, saw your, some interview I did with someone and blah, 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 blah. I want to come fill in our fall roster and this and that. And I'm like, let me get to the end of the month. Yeah. <laughs> and I told him what I was doing. He was like, how'd you do that? <laughs> Something really professional. <laughs> you know, but uh, success for me is like being able to do another show. Like, the money or whatever, I think it'll come, it'll happen, it'll be whatever it is, it'll go. We're See, and I don't think a lot of people are tuned into that right now. I, th- I think I think so many people have been led to believe that there's more to it than that. The money is going to happen a lot sooner. And it'll happen, but it's make the work. Yeah. Well, you said it earlier, yeah. And I think there's a lot of people want the shortcut. And I'm thinking how many people call themselves artists with a capital A that, I mean, you got to, I think, to me, that one, the only way is out through the studio door. I mean, you just, you got to love it. And, uh, and it's not, I don't find it necessarily easy. It's not. You know, but I think that's the misconception, too, is everyone thinks, oh, you're so lucky. You just get to go to the studio every day. I mean, oh, it's yeah. the no, it's... ultimate game of chess against yourself, but... I like me. that. I but like I that. think that's the only way. I really way. like that. Okay. The ultimate well, game of I mean, chess. Well, I mean, how else do you, you know, you get it out there? And, and if you 
you know, social media obviously can be a great thing, but I think that's where a lot of the expectations come from, you know, because it's just this this image you're being sold of these, you know, famous artists or, you know, you're down in Miami and, you know, all, all the, and you don't know actually what's behind the curtain. Yeah, like sleeping on the floor. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Where they're staying, how they got yeah, there. Eating pizza oh. for a week. And, like, I've done it all like that. Like, buy pizza when you get there and eat off of it for a week. And it's like, yeah, but then you should, you should when, like, you, when you curate your images, like you say, for Instagram, it's, it's all the good stuff. It's, it's not like, oh, my feet hurt. You know, a lot of people, I think, are always waiting uh, to get it right, you know, and I was just thinking, like, one of the things about doing anything, especially in art, is about, like, living with transition and uncertainty, of course, and as you're on the throws here of, you know, two, two shows opening within a week and site-specific, there's a ton of uncertainty there, and obviously you trust yourself enough that, you know, the work's going to get done, it's going to be what it's going to be. Like, when you think about art history, right? there's a few artists who made it easier for us, like Warhol's one, and, uh, Duchamp's another one. Like, those two guys, those kind of sort of thumb their nose at, a, at art. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you know, Andy really wanted to be this thing. But the work that ended up getting in there was such common stuff, like just everyday things. <clears throat> and then you think about Duchamp, and it's like, oh, there's a toilet. Now it's art. So there's a lot of room to play in there. And, but it, it's, I think there's a lot of room to play we don't have to be so serious and freak out and worry. But I think you know, freedom. That's a that's a good point. Um, yeah. Because it's it's easy enough to get tight, and I think you have to make the work that you're going to make. Well, I, th- I think that we are. I think we're very lucky that we're sort of isolated. I agree. In a way, and then we we get to have that wild wild west mentality, and then when you go other places and you see other work. They're already ahead of that process or that aesthetic, or because you're, you're you're so. I think we spend a lot of time looking out while we're inside. We're yeah. we're looking out like, oh man, what are they doing over in California? What are they doing in New York? Oh, I heard it was bubbling in Pittsburgh. I might need to go. But you spend so much time like competing from afar, like, hey, somebody look at me. And then by the time you get someone pays attention, you're already like, yeah, I, don't, I don't need you. But I'm going to have as much fun with this stuff as I can. I'm going to go as far as I can. No one sees it. No one sees it. I'll have great photos. And maybe sometime, like, someone will come along and be like, oh, there's this guy doing all this cool stuff and we missed it. You know? Well, I, I want to back up for a second, though. I thought it was interesting um, when you threw out Duchamp and Warhol. 
I was I had Rauschenberg in my head. Rauschenberg's the one. Instantly though, and I was thinking back to your statement, and um, and alchemy came to mind in terms of when you were talking about taking just mundane objects and and intent, artist's intent, and transferring some kind of power. And I'm sure I'm mangling your statement, but there seems to be a bit of that. It's that. Um, but again, without it getting super super heady. Um, I think that's uh, a credit to you that you can have like the heady theory-based statement, and yet there's still a hell of a lot of fun. You know, yeah, like, there's some, some yeah. serious. You know, you got politics, you got race, you got like the really dig in, and yet I, very few people can do that. I don't know, man. I got lucky. <laughs> I don't know. I just. Do you think it's luck, really? I don't know. I just, I don't. I don't. Is that or is it just being? Is it just no? Like I think, I think what it is 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 that I'm a super nerd and hide it really good. <laughs> That's all that it is. I hide it really well. Like I, I mean, I just rattled off our kids, man. Like. Um. I, mean, I, I <laughs> like, think most, you know, I think and, most artists, and, and we can just go and you know, we can talk about the big stuff, the theories and all that stuff. I don't care to. I know it, and I don't, but I don't, I don't care to. And then and I think that's a lot with my work too. I just want to, I don't know. I want to make the statements, but I want to have fun while I'm making it. I mean, I'm not pissed off at anybody. Dude, I'm living my dream. Like I'm you're supposed to be pissed off, man. I don't have time to be pissed off. What am I? It's great. What am I pissed attitude. off about? Like, okay, here's my example of breaking the triangle or or the, or the square. You know, it's still something I think about. Like, this great art theories and all this stuff. It's like, how do you? How does the artist remove? It? You know itself from the square and this and that and you know. so that night that was my solution <laughs> is to but sure yeah that may have been done too like you think about um, what's up Sam Gillian you know he just came back so then I was thinking about that I'm thinking about all the work that's coming out of Yale right now it's, it's sort of this kind of stuff and I'm sort of poking fun at, at it like why would you make pseudo quilts when you could just come to G's bin and get a real quilt? Hey, yes. And like, so for me, like, I don't know, I'm just poking fun at high art or mm -hmm. high education, like what, what, what people are producing. Like, I just have a problem with it. And so, poke fun at it. <laughs> like, why not poke fun? But, but I'm a southern guy and I understand what the quilt means and when you see these kids or people making this work and it's just like how, why would you make a work and then hang it by curtain rod and this and that and blah blah blah. It's, it's a quilt. Because painting's dead, man. Yeah. So that's me feeling with the whole thing. <laughs> like I'm, ha like I think about these things, but no, at the same great. time, I have fun with it. And it's like, see, that's yeah, that's. And it may be me, only me that gets the joke, and maybe whoever's listening to this now. But just to pick on Yale for a second, but you look at like just just the painting in the last few years, like especially with the whole like de-skilling provisional 
Uh, it's, it's, it's just kind of funny. Wow. Yeah. We talked about that in the last episode, oh, actually. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, see, I think that... Man, outsider. Uh, with the outsider stuff. You remember that? You go to Yale to make the work that looks oh, yeah. outsider. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like... You see the joke. the joke. That's the joke. What do you think about that term, outsider? Well, it's like in the Thornton Dow movie. And, and when the lady says, outside of what? Or when all those people say, outside of what? Yeah. And then that's been part of my mission, too. And it's, it's like, it's a very secret personal mission. I don't know if it's secret now. Uh, I've probably said it before. But I wanted, in some ways, I wanted to see if I could fit myself somewhere in between Thornton Dow and Robert Rauschenberg. If those men were about the same age and made sort of similar assemblage, what keeps Thornton Dow from being Rauschenberg? And how is Rauschenberg not Thornton Dow? Right? So the only thing that I could come up with was language and education. What about the, New York? Well, Dow went to do the show in New York, and, you know, the story goes, and it failed, and people thought the Arnett's were doing it. No, but I mean, like, from the... Like when I'm thinking there, do you think it has anything to do with Rauschenberg being in New York in the fifties? Yeah. Totally. You know, and then forward compared to Well well yeah, where he was. Yeah, placement of that whole thing, yeah, I get that. But I think what kept Dow out of that conver- or keeps him out of that conversation is education. Yeah. And language. Because he's he's not gonna use the big words, he's not gonna be talking about this art flam, you know what I mean? Into some stuff, and I made some work, you know, it's like, you know, in that movie, it's like, I didn't even know it was art, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was just doing something. So, Which so, is a lot of people, even at Yale, but they have to gin up the statement, you know, yeah. to like, and use ontological which, and... Which comes from language and yeah. education. That's and so I was like, if I could be between the both of those, make this work, but still be able to talk about it. That's been one of my goals. Is I can identify with the Rauschenberg and what, and what he was doing, but I wanted to be somewhere in between the both of those. To pretend to be a little naive and put me a whole lot. The shows are way overthought. You so you are from Florence or Sheffield? Florence. Sheffield. What's the difference between Florence and Sheffield? The ride over the bridge. Yeah. People in Florence are a lot cooler. Sorry, Sheffield. Cooler than Sheffield. Yeah, I think. Anyway, girls may be prettier in Florence. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Sorry, Sheffield. (laughs) So we um. I made some notes here. Awesome. Oh, I got, I got notes. Um, I think it was in the process of rebooting the record collection that oh. I revisited Sun Ra and I realized um, that Sun Ra was born and died in Birmingham. And I texted Michi here because I thought, hey, I think I know someone who either has a Sun Ra story or... Uh, can yield some perspectives through his unique lens. 
And uh, this, that's the arts beat. You're gonna be uh, you're gonna be monitored. Mm. By the way, you, so far he's very very yeah. controlled with his language. You had a story though. You told me over Facebook really quickly that had a Sunrock connection. Yeah. So I'm living in um, the mattress factory. My um, studio's in the studio part, and I'm living in the loft part. That's when the big fire and everything happened. They yeah. Kicked everyone out. So I've been there about a year or so. I'm walking to Daddy D's. I go to Daddy D's because, you know, it's right across the street. It's like summertime. Go to Daddy D's, order some Daddy D's, and then, you know it's gonna be whatever minutes before you make you know, food. And so I go out and I sit on the curb in front of Daddy D's. I'm sitting there smoking a cigarette, and this guy just walks up and he goes, "Hey man, um, can I or whatever, whatever?" And I was like, "Yeah, I got some change or whatever." And then he goes. Did you ever believe I played at Carnegie Hall? And I was like, well, I believe whatever you tell me. He's like, I played at Carnegie Hall. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah. I was like, well, what band? He was like, you ever heard of a man named Sunrock? And I was like, bullshit. And he goes, I'm so-and-so. And he pulled out this program. And it's his name, Carnegie Hall. I was like, yeah, I know something around. I said, space is the place. And we start talking. He's like, yeah. He pulled out these drumsticks and he's playing the curb. <laughs> and like, I didn't have the guts to be like, hey, what happened or whatever? Or are you really this guy? He kept a good rhythm on the curb. I had the program. The name was on there. I was like, so. I was like, that's pretty cool, man. I was like, that's pretty cool. He's like, yep. I played at Carnegie Hall. So, How does that happen? I don't know. I do not know. It was right here in Atlanta. Daddy D's. True story. How did you discover Sean Ra? I was thinking about that when I went to go smoke because I knew you would ask me. I don't know. Yeah? I don't. I don't. Like, I guess. Has it always been there? No. I guess, like, with the internet, like, discoveries, you can have discoveries every day. You're, you're in, like, an explorer. Like, one of my favorite art talks that I give is Pioneers and Explorers. And, um, but I always use uh, Africa Bambada and Matthew Henson as my two start points. But, um... I think when you're searching for something, after you hear like Miles Davis, you say, oh, it's gotta be something. You find Coltrane. Oh, it's gotta be something else. And then you find Thelonious Monk. Which, you know, I've always known about Monk and Coltrane and Miles Davis. I stole my friend's dad's bitch's brew when I was in high school. I stole it. I saw the album cover and I just <laughs> stole it. It's like, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen to this at my place. Stole it. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Like, I had Coltrane posters on my wall. So, I was always, like, listening to public access radio, like, listening to jazz. Like, there was a Facebook post I made. It's like, um, it seemed like young Michi was making this tape for old Michi. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, it's one of these old cassette tapes. I could play it for you. It's, like, me recording all this jazz, like, staying up, waiting for yeah. for jazz to come on. You know, and then after you read like the Thelonious Monk stuff and oh, this guy was out there read about Dizzy like, you know the, the simple ones the, the ones and then when the internet comes along you're looking at these things and people are uploading stuff and then you're like wait a minute yeah there's some other stuff out there I had no idea about and I think that that's how I discovered Sunrise And now it just seems like it's always just been there, like like you said. It's just, but it hasn't. It hasn't. Totally hasn't. That almost seems like um, you need like a gateway drug, and whether it's like Miles, because we were talking about like Chet Baker yeah. and Oscar Peterson, and just what do you think compared to you know? And it's easy to go back to like the classic Miles and and even Coltrane, but I think for a lot of people, Coltrane got just. You know, like yeah. you're either a serious jazz head or it's just like, whoa, this is too too much, too out there. But like Sun Ra, a and the catalog alone is, you know, like I've been, I've, I've known more of the legend and reading about that. I was asking Matthew, and I'm like, where do you where do you dive in? Which this sounds base is the place is the start. Well, not even because then because he did all the formal stuff before. Yes. I was that's kind of where I've been the last couple of weeks and I just was blown away with how like you know what I, what I love traditional is traditional it sounded in a, in a good yeah. way but still yeah, but yeah. you're thinking like hell this is 1961 or 19, yeah. you know like well you go back to um, you go back to the you know, so, so the early stuff you would easily identify as um, as bop or swing yeah, yeah. with uh, supersonic jazz or uh, sound of joy but then you know after a couple of years of recordings, you realize there's this incredible evolution happening in this artist, and that's one of the things that I love about Sunrise's work is that I don't always like everything, and I know that there's an evolution happening there. And there's a lot that I don't like, you know, but um, <laughs> for me, with Nubians and Plutonia, that's where it starts to me, and then you go on to um, Atlantis, and then there's and then spaces of place. Um, but you know, it was forty, almost forty years, and like you said, you look at the discography, and it's staggering the amount of recordings out there. And then they're released in this weird, <laughs> you know. And then performances. I mean, Nexus. He was, you know, what ninety one or ninety two? He performed at Nexus. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, and the orchestra is still touring. Yeah. So get this. All right, this is from the book Spaces the Place, The Lives and Times of Sun Ra. Uh, he was born on May 22nd, 1914, a Gemini on a day with a doubled number. His mother named him Herman Poole Blunt. Herman was inspired by Black Herman, the most famous of many early 20th century Afrocentric magicians, claiming a lineage that reached back to Moses. Yeah. Black Herman, you know Black Herman? Yeah. Black Herman was said to be able to raise a woman from the dead at every show. 
and as an associate of black cultural nationalists like Marcus Garvey, Booker T. Washington, and Hubert Fauntleroy Julian, the Black Eagle of Harlem, he seemed capable of raising a mighty race as well. See, there's a whole part of black culture that American culture is missing. Yeah, yeah. To, 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 like even the black Herman thing, like, it's like your first black magician, like your first magic shows. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. the thing about that in that time of, of Marcus Garvey, and it's like, it's like, we're going to do everything on our own. We don't need anybody. You don't want us anyway. So, all right. Yeah, you would have a black magician in your community. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, there's everything in that community. And, like, that part of, like, the black experience of, like, the, like the story or the, the gloriousness of it all is, is missing. And, like, when I was in uh, South Carolina doing all that research, they had a images of the magicians in that in South Carolina like yeah you would have a magician <laughs> right yeah the, I don't know it's just something I think about it's, yeah the magician was there it's the doctor and then there's a lawyer and then it's a magician he's <laughs> famous now I look later later here because I was I made the mistake, like a lot of people probably, of, of simply labeling it as Afrofuturism. Yeah, not, and it's not. I got a theory about that. Go too. ahead, I want to hear it. Well, black life is always projecting itself into a future. In this speech, MLK tells you he's gone to the future and he's seen it, and he may not get there with you. But there is a promised land. And when you think about when black people were held captive and they were slaves, in the song, they sing to the stars to swing down, swing low, sweet chariot, coming to take you somewhere. And you think about Sun Ra, George Clinton, mm-hmm. even Little Wayne says he's a Martian. Yeah. So there's Fabo, like starting to see spaceships and Bankhead. So there's always this sort of projection into the future, or an an imagined better life that never deals with the present. And and like people try to throw like this new work that I'm doing into some Afrofuturist spaces that I'm like, no, it's at some point you have to sit and actually develop the damn spaceship. You just don't hop to space. We're looking at it very real, right? There's an analog moment. So that's why I have a map that's crushed up. Like, it may not have been the right plot, the right map to get to wherever this promised place is that we're trying to get to. But when is the analog moment that you sit down and you sort of build the spaceship? It's always boom, instantly, F rose into the future. 
I was like, oh, how do we get there? I always think about it like that. How do we get there? I mean, all Martin Luther King did was go to the top of the mountain. He went to the mountaintop. He saw the promise. You know, he, he's not going to get there with us, but you know, he's telling us to trust him. Yeah. So there, there's another there's another passage in here. It says, uh, "Sonny, which he went by Sonny, yeah. uh, did not limit himself to Afrocentric canonic thought. Egypt, he discovered, had already been connected to the galaxies by Edgar Casey, Gurdjieff, and others of Theosophic bent, following the lead of Pythagoras and the Hermeticists and speculative space observers like von Daniken." had made another kind of case for contact between space aliens and ancient Egyptians. Later, he goes on to um, shift his focus um, from Egypt to space. And, that, and it's saying here in this book that that was deliberate, that that, that was a deliberate shift. I'd also read or heard that he had this like epiphany, some sort of epiphany that he had. And Basically, this vision or this thing told him to quit college and to go play this music and focus on space and this whole thing. And that's what led to him zooming out, you know? Mm -hmm. but, and Whenever I read those types of things, uh, I always am envious. And I always wonder if that's... I want to believe that's true when people, like, have this vision and they completely upend their lives. Because then it's... And it also seems, like, in a Hollywood version of it, that it's just... Then they were fine. You know, like, oh, and I got in this van and played played this music and drove, you know, all over the... And instead of, you know, the reality... Worked out. <laughs> You're some, describing Ray. There had to be some doubts. There had to be... Uh, I don't want to see the Hollywood version of that story, you know? I really don't. Of which story? Of the sun rock. It would just be too neat, you know? Well, we haven't opened that one. Yeah, here. We'll no, 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 no. No, we'll open it. Yeah, man. We'll just drink this gin. I'm a... I, you're telling me that you... So how often do you run into the Afrofuturist label? Um, well, I think it's just people trying to sort of wrap their brains around what you're doing. And a couple of years ago, like, it was a hot term, and... Yeah. Art making, art um, practice, or whatever the world. I'm not really in interested in it. It's not, it's not, yeah, I've never seen that, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I'm interested in space yeah. and the future yeah, yeah, yeah. and all that, but I'm not. Interested in labels. Yeah. I don't know that I'm making work. And you'd stay within that neat little cubby. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm, I'm trying to make a, a sort of statement about the analog. Like, there, there has to be a moment of analog. Like, there has to be a moment to build a spacecraft or to build a community or whatever it is, a philosophy, a theory, or whatever it is, before you can just zoom off. Like, I see lots of great works, and they're you know, and they're always these great imagined places. But the thing that I find weird is like nobody wants to do the work part. Of <laughs> <laughs> Just want to go straight to space. 
<laughs> and I have a problem with that. So, <laughs> yeah. So that's why a lot of my works have these sort of personal jokes, and I'm like, that puts me at you. I'm sorry, but it does. How do you know when somebody's putting the time in? I think you can tell. I think you can tell. Well, it's not even that you put the time in. It's, I won't even say that. I think it, it's... You can tell when a person is making work that they absolutely believe in. That's it. Like, don't sell me a theory. Don't sell me a... schmeary-ass thing. Like, you can tell when a work speaks for itself and someone's considered it, someone's thought it through, and they actually believe it, and that's why they're presenting that work. And, and those are artists that I like. Like these are good works. How do you prefer to uh, experience? I mean, whether it's a studio visit or, or a show, do you want to uh, just look at the work yourself, or do you want to read or you know hear the artist say anything? Oh, like other people's work? Yeah. I don't know any way I can. Man. I'm a fan of work. I'm a fan of it. Like, I like art. I like artists. Like, we should have trading cards and some kind of fist pump. Like, when I was in Miami, <laughs> I was in Miami, I was looking at, uh, I can't remember this painter's name, but it's good paintings. And uh, this guy walks around the corner, and he just goes, Whoa! It's like, that's what I'm talking about. Such and such and such and such. And it was like, yeah. And he was like, yeah. excited, pumping at the painting. Like, he was stoked. That's great. Yeah. And I was like, that's what you want. Yeah. That guy. Like, like a sport event. Well, like, that's what I was saying. Like, I still think I want to walk in someplace, a studio or, or MoMA or wherever. And, uh. I want to see it and feel it, yeah. and and maybe have to go back and dig out some books or what have you and figure out what the hell I just. But I still think I mean that's why it's art and not maybe a book or a film. And I feel like we, in these times, we're uh, maybe getting a little too academic, even outside of the sacred halls of academia and everything. Everyone's so curious about what it's about. I'm thinking. That's the second part of it, you know? I mean, sometimes... Does it make you feel? Does it make you does do it, like that yeah. guy? He just saw the... And is it a different language? I mean, I still think art is a different language. And, like, when it can move you, you know, I mean, music, it's easy. Uh, that's... We're all, I think, hot-wired uh, to, to rhythm and melody. But, like, you yeah. know, when, when a painting can hit you over the head yeah. like that, or a no, drawing, or a sculpture, whatever, yeah. but... That's exciting, and I think that's the only thing I hate about doing this, you know, 24-7, is it gets harder and harder <laughs> to find stuff that, just from pure fatigue, you know? Just the knocks your breath out. Yeah. Yeah. And, I'm, and I do miss that, you know, of just being completely excited. And well, I think you only get that feeling when you see it up close in person. It's definitely in person, yeah. And not to say things don't look yeah. amazing on, on the internet, but I mean, hell, everybody's Instagram page looks amazing, too. Yeah, you gotta see art. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm that one too. But I'm, I feel like that. I had the fist pump moment at PS1 for that Mark Leckie show. Nice. In the back, and there's a video, and it's behind the Fritz the Cat inflatable in this show. I go, I, I watch this, it's 24 minutes. This hooked me in. I I went out and waited for the start, go back in to sit down and sat and, and watched it in its entirety. And it was amazing. It changed the way that I digested the rest of the show. Did you have to go back through the show? I did. And then I was picking up all these little pieces that and it all came together. But it was that fist pump moment. I could not take that in on Instagram. I could not take that in anywhere. But I had to physically be there to have that experience. Yeah. That's what I always like. Art can change your pH balance. Like you get like nervous or you sweat or you like. Yeah. Get anxious. Like, oh God, what is it? Like, what is it doing to me? And then we take so many photos of art. Which is why I think it's funny, like going to Art Basel. Everybody's taking photos of it, but if you're not there to experience it, right? Yeah. Well, it's like trying to capture the sublime. You can't. Yeah. I actually, I used to take a lot of pictures and make notes and all that, and I find now I do less and less because yeah. I just actually want to be present. Be present. <laughs> and I find I also, for the most part, go by myself. Dude, I you know? like the High Museum on a rainy Monday. Yeah. There's no one in there. Usually. Oh, man. You want smoke break? I'm going to smoke right here. Do you usually use propane? You know, all the time. Hank. You should use that with a uh, vape thing. Uh. I don't get that. The... They look, I always think like someone's gonna jump into like a Jethro Tull song in a bar or something. Like, oh, you're just vaping. In the startling madness. Uh, oh, come out of breath. Yeah. Wow. The Jethro Tull song. <laughs> you're smoking? No, I'm telling, man. No, I'm telling. I told you. For abstract expressionists. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you Sir. seen Painter's Painting when Rauschenberg's given that interview and he's on top of the ladder? He's, he's 50 sheets to when he's drinking a glass of scotch, smoking a cigarette, and he's mm-hmm. on a ladder, and it's like... Yes. And the yeah. camera zooms up on him, yeah. and he's talking about it being a 50-50 proposition. And he's got this amazing accent, even though he's from Texas. It like, yeah. sounds like Madonna and uh, Julianne Moore and the Big Lebowski like kind of combined, but classic interview. My, my favorite, I think, scene, like kind of thing like that, is, is the one that Charles Mingus shooting the shot, shooting the shotgun. Oh wow! Oh, he's, he was, I haven't seen that. Inside, he just fucking loads a rifle. He's really? inside the house in the middle of an interview. It's like, yeah, you know, whatever. And he's hold on now. That's and great. Like, no, it'll shoot. Pow! And he just blows a hole right in the room. And he throws oh, the gun wow. down and continues the interview. <laughs> but, and then uh, if you listen to uh, uh, Run the Jewels, the newest one, there's a line in there where uh, LP, I think it's LP, talks about how he's Mingus shooting a, shooting a uh, shotgun. It's, a, it's an epic scene. All right. 
Yeah, just look it up. Charles Mingus. Uh, shooting a rifle. Okay, so you read all these stories about artists and there's these, these people. That's why I keep making the joke like, oh, we're abstract expressionists and hard drinking and smoking. Like, so these are like, uh, what do you call it? Uh, like mythologies or romanticized yeah. versions. It's like, no, I gotta go to work in the morning. You know? But when you think about it, or, or you think about like Basquiat's stories, it's, it's just mythologies and Jackson Pollock, all these guys. And even with jazz dudes, you know, it's like, there's this romanticized sort of badness, or what do you call it? Uh, there's a glamour or an allure, yeah. Yeah, a glam to it, like a. Like, like really, no. Tom I, Waits. I like my garden. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Well, where they just get they get caught like in this amber kind of one-dimensional, mm-hmm. you know, Pollock the fighter. Yeah. Or at least he wanted to think of himself that way. A Caravaggio, um, even. Yeah. And See, yet, there's these certain people who we know this. But it goes back to this persona, and it and it's it sells. Um, I don't know. See, I, <clears throat> probably not a great business strategy, but or life strategy. But I mean, I still think like, hey, I'm going to play it as straight as I can. And what you see is what you get. And I'm like, I don't have a huge personality. I don't have a persona. Maybe that's the problem here. But, uh, that's but you know what I mean? Like, I think to be that way too. Like, no, but I, I think you're, you know, you can't, I mean, if you fake it, people can smell it a mile away. That's the thing. That's what I'm saying about the paintings. Yeah. Too. Oh, like, yeah. I know. Do you, you like, how do you know when, like, a painting's mm-hmm. good or when you said, like, work that you like? It's like you can tell when someone's bullshitting you. How much pressure do you feel to hold face full of gray hairs full? <laughs> Connect with Joe and Matthew and find out more about this and other episodes at brainfuzzpodcast.com. On social media, share your thoughts and comments with hashtag brainfuzzpodcast. Now, go get outside. <laughs>